one of the things that I see a lot of people get put off or, or scared by is how many years of experience required to apply for a job. You know, like they might say, oh, like three to five years experience or I don't know. I've seen some really dumb ones where it's like seven years experience for a junior position. Uh, and I kind of question it like, huh, like what? And I think my advice for that would be just don't really worry about that. Like, don't let it stand in the way or hinder your confidence. Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name's Charlie. And I'm Femke. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about job hunting. So if you are thinking about looking for a new job, or maybe you're in the middle of the process of looking for a new job, then hopefully this episode will be full of advice and tips for you. As I've just recently gotten a new job at Uber, which is super exciting, and I announced in the previous episode, we felt like it was a good time to kind of spark a, I guess, are we calling it sort of a mini-series maybe, Charlie? Just like yeah. a collection of episodes relating to finding a new job. Exactly. I'm excited about this. I think we can really dig in and yeah, share our experiences here. I know I've got a lot, of, a lot to share. and I'm looking forward to hearing your advice as well, since you've been through this process most recently. too. Yes, very recently. And we also have some questions and also some advice from our community members. So we'll be sharing those as well. But before we dive into the episode, Charlie, how are you going? I heard you've been a little bit sick over the weekend. Are you feeling any better? I'm feeling better, but I'm not sounding much better. I'm at that Aww. stage of having a cold where you're just coughing all the time. And it's freaking annoying. So you don't get much sleep because you keep waking yourself up. <laughs> but yeah, things are going all right. I'm actually in the middle of like working through, uh, I'm not going to call it rebrand, but more like a restructure. So I've kicked it off with a new trailer for my YouTube channel, which is something that I've been meaning to do for a long time. Um, next up is making some small tweaks to my website as like a placeholder for a larger redesign of that whole thing that I'll be doing because it needs it and also for practice. So yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of this, making sure that all of my content and like the places that they live are aligned with what I'm doing. Cause I've made a few changes to what I'm doing over the year, you know, the past year, this time last year, actually, I was making videos about fashion still. So wow. I'm changing everything to align it all to design and this focus I have on helping young creatives. So yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's fun. That makes sense. And so that's going to extend across your to your personal website as well as your YouTube, I assume? Yep. yep. Nice. So everything, there's no such thing as for me as like the personal and professional website, like we <laughs> talked about last week. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be all flowing across to there. And I'm looking forward to building myself a new theme with the knowledge that I've gathered on coding this year from working on the mm -hmm. ConvertKit site. Yeah. I was going to do a simple solution that would just be a drag and drop. I was looking at Semplice, which is uh, Tobias Van Schneider's tool. It's like a WordPress theme, I guess, but um, yeah, one that you can drag and drop and it looks amazing. But I think that I need the coding practice. And so I'm going to do it the hard way. Yeah, it'll probably be, be good for you to kind of get your hands dirty yeah. on your own project. Sounds like a nice way to brush off your coding skills. Exactly. What about you? Because I know the job hunt has taken up most of your time and we haven't been able to talk about it much on the podcast. Yes. But now that the job is sorted, what have you been up to? 
Well, I'm currently taking it a little bit slow. So I I guess at the time that this episode comes out, I will have started at Uber, but at the moment I haven't yet. So this is currently my last week at Atomic and next week I'm taking a week off as a little break between jobs. So I'm currently just kind of winding things down at work. Things are going pretty slowly, you know, just slowly easing out of the job and looking forward to taking a break next week and we're going to Florence, which is really exciting. So at the moment, I'm pretty chill, you know, to be honest, like I've had a really couple busy months with interviewing for jobs and things. And so now I'm just kind of graciously allowing myself to just chill out a little bit and allow things to slow down before I start at Uber in a couple weeks time. I think that is smart. (laughs) Yeah, I think I need it too. Like I think I need the sort of reset. Like I could have gone straight from Atomic to Uber, you know, after a weekend, but I don't know, it's summer at the moment and I felt like it would be nice to kind of have a week to wind down and relax and enjoy the sun for a bit and come back to Uber or I guess start at Uber feeling refreshed and relaxed and sort of ready to take on the new challenge. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm really excited for our trip to Italy for Ooh, one. Yes. You can do your relaxing in the sun there. Yep. It's going to be so hot. <laughs> and also I'm just excited for you to start at Uber as well and yeah hear what you learn there because I know I learned a lot from working on a design team and I know that's not something you've Mm -hmm. done before Mm -hmm. so yeah you're gonna learn a lot and I'm excited for you to then share that learning with our listeners I know (laughs) me too I I'm really looking forward to the hands-on experience for those of you listening and don't know I've spent the last two years working remotely so for me to go to an office and have a team to work with is something that's going to be new for me and I'm very much excited about. So yeah, very exciting times, a little bit nervous, but also mostly excited. Let's get into the episode and I want to ask you a question about your job hunt. So like Fem said at the start, this is going to be a mini series of sorts. So we're really going to break this process down of finding and applying or whatever for a design job. This first one is just about the hunt. So where you start looking, um, you know, what steps you take along that process and what research you do. I'm excited to talk about it. So Fem, what did you do when you knew it was time for you to look for uh, a more permanent in Amsterdam or whatever design role? What what was the first steps that you started taking? I think for me, after I sort of had consciously made that decision in my mind of like, okay, yes, I want to look for something new because first of all, that took me a little while to get to that stage of actually accepting with myself, okay, I'm going to do this now and look for a new job. And once I sort of had accepted that in my mind, there's a couple of things I did. One of the first being I started actively just keeping my eyes and ears out for opportunities. So if I would hear something through a friend or maybe I saw something on Twitter, someone says they're hiring or something, you know, previously I kind of wouldn't really pay attention to those. But now that I decided that I was going to look for something new, I paid attention to those consciously. So, you know, every time I attended an event or a meetup, I'd keep my ears open. And same with online, I sort of would uh, keep my eyes open if someone mentioned that there was an opportunity going. And the second thing I did was actually, you know, look for work, which I guess is probably what most of us do. And the place that I probably spent the most time looking was LinkedIn. Interesting. 
And there's actually quite a lot of jobs on LinkedIn. I, I've never really been a big LinkedIn user. You know, I, I know that a lot of people use it quite actively, but I'm, I would not consider myself in the active camp of uh, LinkedIn users. But they, they've got quite a good job section on there. And so I would regularly check LinkedIn. Another thing that I did was I set up a profile for myself on the site called, I think it's Angel List or Angel... Co. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yep. and on there is specifically tech jobs. And so I set myself up a little profile on there and I would, not as often as LinkedIn, but I would sort of regularly log in there and check and see if there's anything new that's been posted. So I guess for me it was a combination of uh, being aware of what's going on in my existing network and putting out a few feelers and also just checking LinkedIn and AngelList uh, quite consistently to see if there were any new opportunities posted. And do you remember which one of those you found Uber on? Neither. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Okay. So where did that come from? So Uber actually reached out to me, uh, which was Ah. really good timing because I was looking for something. So that was kind of like a magical, the stars aligned kind of moment where I was looking for something and they, the the team here in Amsterdam, they had heard of me. Uh, and so they reached out to me just for sort of a casual chat, really. So we had a casual chat just to talk about what they're doing at Uber and what I was up to. And sort of at the end of the conversation, it was like, so like, what is this? Uh, you know, is this going to be something? Maybe we could work together. So yeah, it was a real moment of stars aligning and they actually reached out to me in the end, which was really cool actually I love that and that is just a testament to like the work you've been doing over the past few years with the content you've been putting out online yeah you know totally it's amazing I guess that's sort of a similar way how I got my current job but Mm -hmm. the reaching out to me was in person at the conference that we were both at I've told the story before yes I was there it was a great moment Yeah, we had lunch with Nathan Barry, who's the CEO of ConvertKit, and basically during that lunch, he asked if I'd be interested in coming to work with him in front of Femme and our other friend Levi, who was there. <laughs> it was all very confusing. But yeah, that, that's how I ended up here. So I guess it's the same thing, that it was through my content output and yeah, that sort of work that I do online. My last job, though, the one that I left in December, that one was definitely one that I hunted for myself. And I'm trying to think where I started looking for that. So I went to Dribble. There's a job board on Dribble, And being in a, I feel like that's only useful if you're in quite a big center. Mm. So I wouldn't, it's not something that I could have really used in Wellington, perhaps New Zealand, looking for a design job. But being in London, I knew there'd be some on there. So I had a look on there. Uh, I also looked on just the regular job board sites. But I don't know. This is what I was surprised about LinkedIn. Like, I know there's lots of jobs on there, but I just don't know if they're the relevant type of jobs for me. And I feel the same about the regular yeah. job boards. Yeah. I think it's there's a lot of dirt you have to dig through before you find the gold, you know, so to say, on there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had that too here in Amsterdam. A lot of the jobs are either for agencies. We have a really big agency hub here in Amsterdam or places like banks and financial institutions and things like that, which for me wasn't really the route I wanted to go down is a little bit too corporate and like, uh, what's the word, like red tape uh, for my liking. Uh, and agencies, I was like kind of thinking maybe I could go for that, but I, I thought 
like I, sh- I should try with tech first because that's really where my heart is and where my skills are. And so I really wanted to give that a go first before, uh, you know, trying to apply at agencies. And I mean, you're true in what you said before about like when you looked on Dribble, uh, a lot of it is really for the major hubs like London, New York, San Francisco, because I had the same. I also looked a little bit on places like Designer News and also Smashing Magazine also has a lot of jobs listed on there. But most of them are for the hubs like London and New York. So I quickly kind of realized that it wasn't quite going to work, although occasionally they would have remote jobs listed on there. And at the time I was still kind of open to remote. I thought I'd give it a go. So I applied it for a couple of remote positions Uh, but also I kind of discovered throughout my process that a lot of the time when they say remote they actually mean remote but US only and sometimes Uh, that wouldn't be quite so obvious until you kind of like either read the fine print or applied and they then they realize that you weren't in the US so yeah I mean I guess advice for if you're living outside of the US and applying for remote jobs just double double check that uh, it's when they say remote, they mean worldwide because most of the time I found that they actually mean US only, which was a bit of a shame for me. Yeah, that's interesting too, because I think a lot of the time US companies don't consider that people from outside the US might apply. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, that I might think, be why it's not clear. Yeah. And I think the reason for it is just like legally, you know, they can probably only hire within the US. So yeah, it's a shame, but just make sure that you, that you watch out for that if you are looking for remote work. How I actually ended up finding my last job I was at, though, wasn't through Dribble or job boards or anything like that. Actually, I started researching. I was like, okay, what are some cool little tech companies I could work at? Because the jobs that were coming up, like that I was seeing most often, were for these big companies. And I was at a bigger mm-hmm. company and I knew I didn't want to, I knew I wanted to work somewhere smaller, basically. And so I was doing some research into startups or, you know, smaller tech companies that are out of that startup phase. And I found this list of the top 10 startups in London or something like that. And it was from a few years old. But yeah, I read through it and there was a couple of really interesting companies on there. And one of them, the little story they talked about the company, it was like to do with data analytics and fashion. I was like, whoa, this sounds amazing. This sounds like, and I've never, literally never heard of this company, but I now want to work there because this sounds really cool. So I went on their website and checked out what they did and checked out their jobs page and they just so happened to be hiring a marketing designer and I was like hello like you stars aligning and so I just yeah applied directly through their website um so I would say that's definitely a thing to do is to research companies not just jobs this company I think I just explained my story a little bit wrong then but I'd actually discovered them back when I was in New Zealand and I wasn't sure if I could stay with with zero when I moved and so I was aware of them, um, and but they, were, they weren't hiring then and I wasn't looking for a job then. But then when I wanted to leave Zero and, and go somewhere smaller and I checked out their site and they were hiring, I was like, perfect. So being aware of cool companies that you might potentially want to work for in the future is, is a really good thing to have in mind and just be aware of what's out there. Because there's more than just the big agencies and the big tech companies, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's important to know what you want, right? And I kind of did the same, actually. I had a few companies based in Amsterdam on my hit list, I suppose I could say. Mm -hmm. Yes, I I like that one. (laughs) That I was kind of interested in. And I I did the same to you, actually. I did a bit of research and 
I think actually Owen linked me to a Medium article that was like, you know, top 10 high growth startups in Amsterdam or something like that. And same as you, I checked their job boards. I checked the companies out to see if any of them interested me. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's good to kind of what what you said is not just look at job boards, but actually you know have companies in mind that you really want to work for and research them is, is also a good way to see if they're hiring. I think what happens with this as well is that when you do apply, and obviously this will be in another episode, but you're going to be more passionate about your application because it's not just another graphic design role that you've seen on a job board and you're like, oh, what company is this for again? Swap out the name, you know, it's actually a place you're passionate about and a role that you're passionate about, which is important. So don't underestimate this research phase in in the job hunting process. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the more research that you do, the better you can tailor your application for that, for not just that job, but that company as well. Like, I mean, I applied for multiple jobs and each time I made sure that my cover letter was tailored to that company or that role and the specific things that they were looking for in a person. So, you know, I'd I'd recommend don't just sort of blanket your cover letter to multiple multiple jobs really do your research and make sure you tailor your application to each individual job but we will be getting to that more depth in a future episode because we've lost more advice on that what sort of things do you research about a company when when you're uh, looking for like this dream company that you could work for or when you're going to be applying at it what sort of things do you want to know about it Multiple things, I guess. One of the things I want to know is their culture. So how do they work? When do they work? How's the team split out? You know, maybe they have multiple offices around the country or around the world. So kind of getting an understanding for the culture and also the structure of the organization and how how they kind of work together. Another thing I look at being a designer and applying for design roles is what their product is. You know, to me, it's super interesting to know what I would be working on and whether I have a a passion or an interest in the problem that the company is trying to solve because, you know, I'd be spending every day working on that product. So for me, that was really important to, to research and to try it out. You know, a couple of times I would download their app and, and play with it and see if I was interested in it or see what kind of problems I could find and see if it would be something that I'd be, you know, interested in working on. And another thing I'd research is also like, past reviews from employ employees at the company. So like Glassdoor, if you if you've heard of Glassdoor, it's yeah, a, yeah. it's a site you can go and people can anonymously leave reviews about the companies that they worked at. So I also would do a little bit of that research of just sort of trying to scope out, I guess, what the reviews are of working at their place. So what current employees say about it, what past employees say about it. Uh, you know, a few of the places that I applied for in Amsterdam, I also knew people that worked there. So I would kind of ask them. Uh, so just kind of getting a sort of holistic understanding of what it would be like to work at that company. I think I look for similar things. And the reason I do that is, like we were talking about, it's good to tailor your cover letter and your portfolio or whatever to the job that you're applying for. And that's a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to be putting in all that extra work if it's not a place that I'm going to end up wanting to exactly. apply at or work at anyway. Obviously, you can't make all of the judgments based on what's available on their site because, I know, some people are too busy actually making the thing to, <laughs> to uh, publicize it well to the world. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's why they need a marketing designer, for example. Exactly. But 
yeah, there are definitely things you can gather from like their social media presence, um, you know, how past employees talk about it, or if it's a smaller company, just looking at what they choose to say about the role in the company on their jobs page. I know at Edited they talked about the fact that everyone eats lunch together and, you know, there's that team spirit atmosphere. And I was like, that sounds nice. That sounds like what I want. So yeah, keep an eye out for those things. They are important. Should we jump into some questions from our community? Because we have a few yes. about the hunt. Quizzy says, I'd love to hear your advice and opinions on how this topic applies to the different experience levels within the industry, i.e. junior designer, midweight, senior. Uh, what is AD? I don't know. I didn't know what that meant. Art director? Art director. Yes, that's, that's probably exactly what they meant. You can tell <laughs> we work in tech and not agencies, right? <laughs> also, what should you really have in your skill set and portfolio before even considering applying for those levels? So I think the levels are, can be very confusing because midweight or junior or whatever means different things at different places Mm -hmm. like vastly different things so don't let a title put you off applying if you think perhaps your experience isn't there yet i think you should read the job description specifically and and see what they're asking for yeah i think one of the things that i see a lot of people get put off or or scared by is how many years of experience required to apply for a job you know, like they might say, oh, like three to five years experience or I don't know. I've seen some really dumb ones where it's like seven years experience for a junior position. Yeah, uh, and, and I kind of question it like, huh, like what? And I think my advice for that would be just don't really worry about that. Like don't let it stand in the way or hinder your confidence. I mean, I think often you got to remember that those job ads are written by recruiters most of the time, not yeah. by like the actual person that's going to hire you and so recruiters let's be honest don't really have that much idea of how many years design experience is required for you to do a role so I wouldn't let that stand in the way if you want to apply for a job and you see that it requires more experience or years of experience than you have I'd say just still go for it I wouldn't let that hold you back from applying because you never know and so you may as well just apply and see where it gets you. I would say, though, that if you know that you're just starting your design journey and they're asking for a senior designer with experience managing teams or whatever, yes, then that's not the role for you. Like, no. let's just be real here. <laughs> but you'll know, looking at from reading the description, this is what I mean, looking at the types of tasks they're saying you'll be working on, you'll know if you can do those or not, right? And if it's they're listing the tasks and saying that they need three to five years experience, you've had two and you feel like you could do it, definitely still apply. Uh, also, I think the same thing applies to if they say you must have a bachelor's degree or something or mm, equivalent or something. Mm-hmm. Often that is a case, again, of a non-designer has written the job description and doesn't realize that you can know design without having a degree and it's your work that should speak for itself. So I would say apply anyway and see what happens. Some companies are strict about that sort of thing, especially bigger companies or bigger agencies, and they might insist on having the degree so you, you, there's just nothing you can do. But for many companies, that they actually care about the work and saying a degree is just a more like their filter of, of a certain level of work they want you to have. So, yeah, if, if you think you're good enough, then apply anyway. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, just know your own limits or, or abilities, I guess, right? Like when I was applying for jobs, I... I knew that I wasn't senior level and so I didn't apply for senior roles. Just apply with what you're comfortable with and what you think you can do and think you can achieve. So, Yeah, that's good advice. 
Ryuku says, if you're making a career shift, i.e. from designer to character artist, sounds like this might be a very specific example here. (laughs) How do you position yourself when applying for a new job? Do you start from the, do you have to start from the bottom of the totem pole and go for entry-level positions? What could you do to make yourself more valuable to the prospective employer other than having side projects? So your job isn't a career shift, right, Femme? But it is kind of different because in your past jobs, you've been, like your past full-time jobs anyway, you've been in, in marketing and like doing design bits there, but you, your title wasn't designer, right? Right. So in my role at Atomic, it was a very broad job. So I did a mixture of marketing and design. I even did customer exactly. support and communications. And my new job at Uber is very, very focused. It's, you know, my title is designer. It's a very focused role. And so I guess I kind of went through this as well, where I was like, how am I going to apply for these jobs when I, I don't have specific your product design experience because I was really applying for product design roles and so what I I guess I'll just share what I did and it seems to have worked Uh, so what I did is I tailored my portfolio and my application to show you know mostly strictly product design work so I showed the work the type of work that I want to be doing and I showed and highlighted projects that demonstrated uh, the necessary skills or abilities that were required for the roles that I was applying for. So I really made sure that I tailored my application to highlight those product design skills and make sure that those were in the spotlight. And, you know, while I did have a couple of marketing things and I did I did show a couple, well, I had them available there, I suppose. I, I didn't present any marketing work. A couple of times I had to present my portfolio. Uh but they, they were there as sort of like supporting evidence, I guess, to, to show that I have a bit more breadth and a bit more knowledge. So, I mean, I think making sure that your portfolio is kind of tailored to that. And I guess like if, if you're trying to get into, uh, what was it, char- a character artist, you probably have a couple of uh, you know things that you've done, you know, self-initiated projects. They don't necessarily have to be a side project. Uh, maybe it's just sketches or, or drawings that you've done for personal fulfillment or for practice. You know, you could throw those in as well. It doesn't always have to just be side projects that you present. I would say too that it's a good idea to show how your past work and your experience there will have an impact on this new uh, industry or whatever that you're shifting into. This is what I did when I moved from graphic design to web design because those are two very different like skill sets I think anyway uh, of designing websites versus designing for print and when I went for my first web design role I made sure to highlight the graphics projects that I'd done that I felt best showed a sense of creativity a good sense of typography you know those things are essential for web design as well and so yeah and then I was able to talk about how I felt my skills in those would apply to then designing websites I managed to get a web design role with having only one website in my portfolio and then I used my portfolio itself as another example of a website that I designed so it's possible people it's <laughs> <laughs> so meta I love it yeah I was actually going to mention I mean this sort of shift from you know in Ryoku's example from being a designer to a character artist in my mind, there's a lot of overlap there. Like you've probably learned a lot as a designer that you can apply to being a character artist. And so talk about those things, you know, talk about how you can bring the skills that you've learned as a designer into being a character artist. You know, for example, if you were making a more dramatic career shift, like 
going from being a designer into a truck driver or something, you know, that's quite a massive shift. And so there might not be as many skills that you could sort of pull over. So I think this shift from designer to character artist, there's still a lot of overlap there. And so there's still I, I guarantee there's things that you've learnt as a designer that totally will apply to being a character artist. So make sure you highlight those as well. And also, I think it comes down to the role you're applying for too. So when I wanted to shift into web design, I discovered this idea of um, marketing design roles. And I was like, what is this magical, like perfect intersection between the two <laughs> things that I want to be doing? So if I jumped straight into trying to be a product designer from being a graphic designer, don't think that I would have landed the job, you know? Right. Because I probably needed some more experience and I probably would have had to, like you said there, start at the bottom of the totem pole. But I chose a job that involved both graphic and web elements, like with more of a web focus. And that was my in to getting into that part of the industry, you know? Yeah. So it's like a, it sounds like it's a natural shift. And so, yeah, I I think Mm. you'll be fine if you just bring in your your existing skills and apply them to the new thing that you want to do. Lauren has tweeted us with an interesting conundrum where she's looking for jobs uh, in other cities, in bigger cities, and so they're not where she lives. But she says she doesn't have money to travel to a ton of interviews, so it has to limit to where she can apply. This is an interesting problem and not one I personally have encountered because I've always looked for jobs where I have been living, but... Something that I know a friend of mine did recently when he moved from New Zealand to LA is, and actually he took a stopover in Hawaii and lived with family there for a while. Nice. Backstory, unnecessary, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> um, but when he was lining up interviews for jobs, he tried to make them all in like the same few days and then he'd fly over to LA for a few days worth of interviews and like really make the most of that time and pack them in. Uh, and it did often unfortunately mean that he spent a lot of money on on the job hunt process he had to extend his trip a few times to you know when someone wanted him to come back for a second interview which is obviously a great problem to have Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah looking for a job in in a different city to where you live is expensive but if you want to move there and if you want to make that change you're just gonna have to like I want to say suck it up but that sounds cruel but you know you get you have to spend the money because not all companies, especially if it's not a remote company, are going to want to just interview you via Skype. You know, they're going to want to meet you in person. And as well, you should want to see the office. So I guess my advice here is to try and line things up for across a similar number of days. And people will understand that if you say, look, I'm from out of town and I'm going to be in the city on these days. So let's make the interview then. I think they'll be quite accommodating. So, yeah, I guess that's Yeah, I was going to sort of suggest the same thing of trying to align them all on the on the same day or the same couple of days so you can just go there once and sort of bang it out, I suppose, as opposed to having to keep traveling there, which is obviously more expensive. Yeah. I think the other thing that I'd suggest you may want to consider is I don't know what the interview process is is like that she's going through. But for me, most of them start with like a phone screening, like a phone call where you kind of like, usually you talk to someone from HR there and you kind of talk about the role and, you know, have a little casual conversation to see if you'd be a good fit or also for you to to hear from them about whether the role is is what you thought it was going to be, et cetera. And I suppose... If, if Lauren has that opportunity to have a sort of phone screening first before investing and in traveling to the place, I think that'd be a good way for her to filter out maybe some that aren't 
going to be good for you or that aren't what you thought they were going to be. Yeah, yeah and rather than it. investing and in going there only to find out, oh, actually this job isn't what I thought it was going to be or, or this company isn't quite, you know, for me, uh, if she could somehow maybe do that in a phone call or like a video call so she can kind of get a, a good feeling first before investing and in, in actually going to the location, then I think that would that would help to filter out the ones that you know straight away aren't for you so you don't have to waste uh, the investment of actually going there. Yeah, that's smart. Because remember, it is just as much about what you want out of the job as well as if they want you. Totally, yeah. Yeah. We've had some really good pieces of advice from the community as well. I don't know if, do you want to read one of them, Femme? Because my voice is dying. Yes, sure. So a piece of advice from Steve. He says, the biggest piece of advice I could give is don't forget your portfolio. I left mine for years and so I had to spend a lot of nights putting it together before I could apply for new jobs and it was a really slow process. So even if you're not looking for a job in in the near future, always be prepared and this is something that I, I do. I always try to make sure that my portfolio is up to date because I know that if I just leave it and don't do anything for it, then one day I'm going to have this massive job of updating it. And I guess you never know what situation you're going to be in. You know, maybe you need a job quickly. And so it I think it would be good in that case that you had your portfolio ready to go sort of at any time just in case you needed it. This is something that I do not do and really should because every single time that I've gone to apply for a job, well, apart from um, my latest job, actually, because it sort of sprung on me and I wasn't like prepared to apply for it. But yeah, past jobs, I've then had this moment of like, oh, I need to leave. I need to update my portfolio. And then I have to like cram and and totally I've Uh redesigned my portfolio completely for every job that I've applied for pretty much throughout my career and these changes that I've made. So yes, learn from my mistakes. Don't do that. (laughs) Akira also had a piece of advice. She said that she got her first developer job through someone that she knew. Networking is definitely one of the best ways to land a job, she said. Yes, agree with this. I only have my new job because of knowing people, which and I never understood this concept of networking before. I was like, what? I'm just going to walk up to someone on a meetup and and then they're going to (laughs) want to hire me? That doesn't make sense. But... Yeah, it really is about getting to know people in the industry and just slowly working your way in there. And I think it helps that I've been getting to know people before actually needing a job because it feels more genuine that way. You know, it's not like I'm only talking to them to get a job. So be wary of coming across like that when you're trying to network. I would say don't try to network. I'm saying it in quote marks. Can you tell? Yes. But instead, (laughs) just make friends and meet people and make connections. Mm-hmm. I think, and I'm just going to tag this on the end. I, I don't know how relevant it is to networking, but I also want to add on, like, be aware of the content you put online. So, you know, Uber found me through my newsletter. Like, one, someone on the team had been subscribed to it and I had no idea. <laughs> and so someone there had been reading my newsletters for a while and then I guess they thought, oh, maybe let's check Femke out and get her in to, to have a chat. So just always be aware of what you're putting online because you never know who could be reading it and you never know what kind of opportunities that that may bring in the future. And I mean, I've never heard a better case for a side project than that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. I'm not stopping my newsletter anytime Good. soon, basically. <laughs> Steve had a piece of advice as well. He said, don't wait for recruiters to call you, call them. They're never timely. So you calling them means that you control that. I've wasted so much time dealing with them. It's silly. Recruiters pretty much have all job boards covered. So for me, it just becomes part of the process that I have to speak to them. I think this is definitely the case in... 
uh, this is huge in London, is recruiters. I feel like it's not so much in New Zealand that most most companies seem to deal with things themselves. I don't know. That's well, Back when I lived there, that's what I experienced anyway. But yeah, recruiters. Hmm. They're a thing that you do have to deal with, unfortunately. Yeah, I've never like registered at a recruitment agency. I know that that's something that you can do. Mm-hmm. You like register as a talent, I guess, and then they'll apply you for jobs. I've never done that, so I don't have much experience with that but I mean hearing Steve's comment it doesn't surprise me that you probably have to be a little bit pushy because I can imagine especially somewhere like London they probably have thousands of people that they have to manage so make sure your voice is heard I guess. This makes me want to talk more about this figuring out exactly what you want as well and uh, where was it someone someone tweeted about this yes Zach that's right Zach said his advice was to find the company you want to work for and then start figuring out who you know there or who can connect you. Uh, and Isan also jumped on this and said, I usually hit up LinkedIn after if I see an attractive position to then see if any of my connections work there. Mm, so like smart. trying to basically find any way to not go through the recruiter pretty much. I find for me, I've figured out what kind of job suits me and what kind of job I enjoy doing. And it's not the kind of job like for the most part that I'm going to find through a recruiter or likely on one of the bigger job boards because I like to work for smaller companies. ConvertKit has, I think, like 25 people at the moment. Edited had 50 when I left, I think. So, you know, they're relatively small-ish for tech companies and neither of them like use recruiters in that way for fulfilling the positions that I'd be going for. So, Yeah understand what kind of role you want and where that would be posted because it's not always through recruiters so you could be missing out on the perfect job for you or Mm -hmm. like having all these uh, recruiters suggest things to you that are not what you want because it's not the type of role that recruiters are gonna uh, have listed yeah I want to sort of end on this advice which was tweeted to us by Ricardo so I'll just read out his tweets and he has six pieces of advice when it comes to job hunting so the first one he says you're never ready all you can do is try your best never settle and find something that excites you number two reflect what are your values what are you looking for next and how will this next role fulfill you three research use google use social media talk to people and learn as much as you can four make a plan how will you achieve that goal Break it down. What is the smallest action that you can take towards your goal? Number five, be patient and surround yourself with positivity. Number six is repeat steps one to five. <laughs> Love that ending. And this is perfect advice that yeah sums it up how you should tackle the job hunt when you're ready to move on. Yeah, I thought it was a really nice, positive uh, piece of advice that I wanted to end on. So thanks, Ricardo, for that. That's super helpful. I'm sure a lot of people will benefit from that. And I think we'll talk more about the being patient uh, and, you know, once we get into the applying episode, because I think that's when your patience really needs to come Mm -hmm. into check when you're waiting for jobs to get back to you or when you're being denied them or whatever. That's for a future episode. So if you've got any questions about the job application process, I think that'll be our next one, right, Fem? Yeah. 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 Maybe not the next episode, but the next in the series is what I mean. We don't want to bore you with too many jobs episodes in a row, so we'll space them out. But yeah, if you've got questions about the job application process, please tweet them to us. We're at designlifefm. You can also send us an email if perhaps your question is a bit longer than 140 characters. 
And that email address is hello at designlife.fm. I believe. Am I correct? Yes. There? Is that our email? Yes, that's our that's email. Our email. <laughs> you can also head to our website, which is designlife.fm, and on there you'll find all previous episodes. If you'd like to join the waitlist for the community, you can head to designlife.fm slash community and you can register your interest there. We'll be opening up registrations at some point. We're not too sure when, but if you want to join, then just pop your email in there and you'll be added to the waitlist. And I will say, not to brag, because if you're not part of it, then you can't join right now. That's kind of mean, but it is really fun in there. And I'm personally getting a lot of value out of it. So I love it. Totally. Good chat, fam. Thanks for sharing your Uber story. No problem. We'll chat next (laughs) week. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.